0: So welcome, Pragna, for yet another episode of the People, Passion, and Purpose podcast. So It's a long-form podcast. Uh, you know, we have time. <laughs> you can share about uh, whatever is happening with your life. Uh, and maybe, you know, I think uh, uh, this time I'm going to be introducing a little bit more. So uh, I met uh, Pragna through a peer coaching community. So she's also a coach. Uh, and... Um, that's how I met her, and then our conversations have been about a lot of things. So it's been about books. It's been about uh, Toastmasters. It's been about sh- our shared history with, uh, you know, Ban Shankri and uh, her adventures around B N M I T in here. Uh, so I've uh, you know like uh, seen some of the uh, amazing things that she's got to, do. and now she's also uh, uh, an author of an amazing book uh, around workplace productivity and workplace. Uh, for people. So it's called Ace at Work. Uh, so if you've seen the cards, that ace that you see, that's how the symbol is. <laughs> so I am very happy to have uh, another author on my podcast, pragna So thanks for coming on board. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to have conversation with you in this forum nonetheless.
0: Absolutely. So would you like to show us our book? What is the book about? How are things to Yeah, This is the book.
1: It's finally in Hand.
0: Yeah. Ace at Work. So fantastic. So would you like to tell me a little bit about the book?
1: So this book, uh, like the title is pretty straightforward. And you also mentioned it is about workplace productivity. The book explores ideas of nitty gritties, of career growth and fulfillment. Now, the idea behind this book is what I would like to share is I myself had this and I believe other people around us also have it is we have a very toxic relationship with our work. Like, we have all come up in a, in a society where, you know, we go to school, we go to college, we get a job, we work, and that's life. And it has been the same for me. So I have, I go to work, I do my work, I do well, and I, I felt like I'm doing well, I'm succeeding. But it wasn't until that I left my job that I realized how unintentional I was about my entire career. And... When I'm realizing this about myself, I also see other people around me who are making similar kind of, uh, you know, mistakes, if I can call it that. And these have been learnings for me. And this book is all about a collection of these kind of learnings, about things that I have done well in my career, things that I have not necessarily done so well or I could have done differently, and things that I've observed with my colleagues and with my clients who come to me with their workplace challenges. So it's all about, it's not just go to work, do your work. It's not about following follow your passion. Definitely not that. Uh, it's about finding passion in what you do. And how do you actually succeed in doing that?
0: Mm-hmm. So fantastic. So I'd like explore that book as well and, you know, uh, have a read. But uh, who is this, this book for?
1: So uh, this book or any work that I do is definitely for mid-career professionals who seem to find themselves in a job for say around five years and they say, okay, I don't have any more growth here and I want to switch companies, right? So I feel that is very, very limited thinking uh, in what we do because once you're in a company for five years, you have enough footing to actually grow there. If you feel you're stagnant, uh, then it is a time to relook. Without this reflection, if you jump your job, you're going to be in that next job for five years and you will find yourself again in the same position saying okay i need to quit because i don't have any growth." Mm-hmm. so growth is not internal to the job it doesn't mean if you're in a company for five years you will grow in the company but it's about realizing that the growth is something in the way we do our work it's not about the time you've spent in the company or not about the kind of company you're in mm.
0: Fantastic. So what what inspired you to write this book? I'm still at the book, but I'll come to other, other aspects of life a little soon, but <laughs> the book looks uh, fascinating. So what
1: inspired me to write the book is one, a fellow author. Uh, so, I've had the privilege to be at a speakers boot camp in Puri, which was conducted uh, under the banner of Professional Speakers Association of India. Mm-hmm. So, while I was there, I got to spend three days with amazing speakers, authors, thought leaders in the industry who are professional speakers and people who I look up to and you know who have been my mentors. And I got a signed copy of one of the authors and participants of that boot camp and he has been my inspiration to start writing this book because he signed in his book saying uh, Peggy I love your energy and I hope to buy your book someday until then I kind of never took the idea seriously that I can write a book hmm. but when he signed that for me and gave me I was like huh is that even a possibility you know so that's where the seed started and yeah that was my inspiration
0: <laughs> I think all, all all interesting journeys begins with uh Somewhere, somebody else uh, uh, trusting us with saying, "You yeah, know you can do it, and then we ask ourselves, you know, like <laughs> can we actually do it?" And that's exactly. when our journey begins. Uh, so yeah I think for me also I had I had one person share that saying, you know, whatever you're writing is is fantastic. And I think he quit writing, or you know he's not writing poetry anymore uh, while I continue to write. So he says now i am better than him and I, that was the best compliment i'm saying okay if, if you say the same thing then i'm like okay fantastic like the all this journey is has been worth it mm. and you were I talking get... about a mentor and stuff so uh if if someone were to seek a mentor what what should they look at
1: okay so first off a mentor we need to understand is not somebody who's going to spoon for A mentor is someone who has done what you want to do or you aspire to do or you know even want to explore for that matter so this is not somebody who is a teacher or you know who needs to know you really well they just have to have have walked the path that you want to go number one number two you should like that person (laughs) that's very important (laughs) now there can be multiple people who have done it for instance if you want to write a book there are Millions of people who have written books, right? Not everybody can be your mentor. But who is that person who connects with you more on a personal level? As in, I know this person is genuine. I know this person, you know, will help or will guide correctly. And we need to, of course, trust in any relationship. I think that's very important. You need to be able to have that trust and that respect for that mentor. I think these qualities are something that a mentor has to take off.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know... uh... You'll have to like the person and that's when you know things things will move uh, and that's where chemistry becomes so uh fascinatingly interesting so there's just uh, a you know like an offshoot question so what is your favorite subject uh, while you were studying
1: while well, i was studying to be honest i liked studying as a concept uh, i wouldn't say i enjoyed any particular subject i studied
0: yeah <laughs> <studying>. <laughs> So, any any adventures that you would like to tell us and maybe even, you know, we start with uh, how did this Peggy come about?
1: Okay, so my name is uh, Pragnya Veniganda. So, in Toastmasters, we give something called as an icebreaker speech. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, where you have to introduce yourself. So, um, in that speech, I actually started my speech once with, I took a spoon and I dropped it on the floor. And I heard this somewhere that... uh, No offense or please don't quote me anywhere, but I heard this, that Chinese people name their kids by, you know, dropping a silver spoon and the sound that it makes is what uh, the name is. (laughs) So that was something that was funny and it stuck with me and I kind of played uh, with that. And I said, I think my father dropped a spoon and it made the sound Pramya, he named it, named me (laughs) Pramya. And... uh, I always thought, did my father hate me or something because he gave me such a complicated name, which people can't pronounce or remember. It's not a very easily recallable name. Uh, so people have butchered my name left and right in all languages and accents. So I think just a common simple thing is Peggy. Uh, my sister called used to call me Peggy when I was a kid. Uh, I think that just stuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: okay. So that's how it is. So there's usually an etymology behind every. Every pet name uh, or every name that comes along. So I was curious about it.
1: Just my sister and cousins when I was younger, they would call me.
0: <laughs> now the spoon story was uh, very interesting. Yeah. So we we may have to have somebody from China collaborate, saying is is that how they do it? Is
1: that true? Yeah, I would like to validate that also.
0: <laughs> oh, amazing. So, yeah, you know, like you, you brought about that space of, you know, childhood, you brought about that space around Toastmasters, which one would you like to, you know, uh, tackle first?
1: I think my childhood is very short and sweet. Uh, I had been a very, you know, petty little girl brought up in a lovely neighborhood. Uh, I had, I mean, I don't have too much memories of it uh, as, you know, main pictures, of course, but uh, my parents tell me that we used to live, I mean, I know where we used to live in a colony. And... Uh, my I used to just go to random people's houses and that's how I was even if I know them or not I would go my sister would come on the road and you know sh- shout Peggy Peggy like where are you and somebody would come out and say "Hey, she's in our house <laughs> so that <laughs> that's how my childhood had been so I've always been very outgoing very bubbly and had a very happy childhood yeah
0: oh wow fantastic I think once upon a time I was actually lost um like this in terms of I was at somebody's house watching a cricket match while the rest of the people were uh, hunting for me and uh, I didn't know that they were hunting for me so, uh, so that that was one one of the stories of my uh you know like that's also published in the book is, is around this uh, space yeah so and I I have a lot of uh, people who uh, collaborate with these stories saying this is this is one of my stories where I was lost. <laughs> And that's uh, sure
1: all of us have been lost, not just as children, even as adults.
0: <laughs> and that's so if, if people are lost in the workplace, they can always, you know, uh, look, look at Ace at work. Yeah. Okay. Always do a plug in. So, always do a plug in, is what I've been taught. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how did this space of getting into Toastmasters uh, or, you know, even getting into spe- public speaking? Because I, I see that public speaking, I've been told, is one of the like the, the premier fear. If I can put it so, that way.
1: I think from my schooling, uh, I have exp- I've been into public speaking and uh, I have a very strong memory of one particular instance, uh, which kind of gives me the confidence to speak also. So we used to have this pick and speak competitions at school, right? So basically, you pick a chit and whatever is written on it, you need to speak about it. I still remember, I think I was in ninth standard or eighth standard at that time. And I went, I picked up a chit and I stood on the stage and I looked up and nobody was actually listening. Like people were chit-chatting or whatever and nobody was even looking at me. So I don't know what happened in the moment, but I just shouted, good morning, everybody, like really loudly. Everybody startled and I had all their attention. And my topic was, Charlie Chaplin is a serious topic. Mm -hmm. And I spoke beautifully about it i don't know where these ideas came from or thoughts came from in that moment but i did and i loved the euphoria of oh my god the thoughts just flew into my mind and i have noticed this time and time again every time on on the stage i seem to lose myself i seem to uh you know literally not be in my physical being where words are coming thoughts are coming but i am surprised at how did i connect these two points and you know say this in that moment so I think it's just the feeling of that euphoria that sticks with me since uh, I'm on stage and that's why I love it and it was uh, I think in my first job where Toastmasters uh, came into my life that's when I knew okay Toastmasters is a thing and existed Uh, it was uh, a corporate event so there's something called a speech craft program which is like a five weeks program it's like a mini Toastmasters uh, Mm -hmm. session So uh, the HR or somebody in the company had organized that and I joined it at that point. And of course, I joined it with my friends. We thought it will be a cool time pass at work and we can skip, you know, some meetings. And uh, we did join it and I loved it, obviously. And uh, since then, I have been wanting to join a club, but I just never, it just didn't happen. Uh, When I got married, came to Dubai, I knew it was a new place, new city. I did not know anybody except my husband. So, I was like, okay, I need some friends. So I just looked for toastmasters. I found one very close to my house and I went and I joined that day.
0: Yeah. Mm. So how's the, that was experience seven years
1: ago yeah sorry oh, that was seven seven and a half years ago yeah
0: seven and a half years ago. so you've been a you been part of the Toastmaster space for seven and a half years yes
1: mm.
0: so how how's how's that experience? Uh, maybe for those who may have never had an experience of you know either visiting a, a session or being a part of it, uh, how does it work?
1: Okay, so in one word, Toastmasters is life-changing. Okay, that's two words, but yeah, life-changing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Toastmasters, uh, for those who have never heard about it, is a community where people come together to build their public speaking and leadership skills. It's as simple as that but what do they do in the sessions they come they come prepared with some speeches they come speak impromptu they get evaluated they uh, have various roles that they participate in in the club and they actually have a formal meeting with you know specific rules and guidelines and everything given to them and it's a very participative exper- experiential program so where people come voluntarily and it's a lot of fun yes.
0: mm-hmm. Uh, i think that that is for sure in terms of uh, what happens in a conversation and uh, specifically around say session by session how you move um, uh, there's I, I have seen a lot of people change uh, my only problem was uh, that i was irritated by the number of times somebody said "Sunil, you've you've said uh, so many hours in the song in the conversation and that is the only thing that irritated me about it other than that i was like oh fascinated
1: Yeah, actually, the A counter is a role that somebody plays where they count the number of filler words we use, the As, the Om's. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I know what you mean. I I I think that that would be a job that I'd be horrible at. Uh, Even if I read your book, (laughs) I still (laughs) be horrible at that uh, that aspect. Um, But you were sharing. I think one thing that really fascinated me was that you said you, you know, when you are doing a public speaking, it's not Pragna. Uh, that that's speaking. Uh, it's there's something else. Uh, there's a different level of flow. Uh, how 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 is that? Would you like to describe that uh, a little in detail? I think that was something that fascinated me.
1: So I think that's something I don't fully understand of myself at the moment. But uh, having read books about uh, the flow state and understanding how our brain functions, our body functions, it's more about you being in a situation which is slightly challenging, but not overwhelming for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that moment, you know, you are in a state where your mind is actually functioning fully. And it there is a challenge which you want to overcome and you're in that state and your brain actually connects. The neurons actually click mm-hmm. across your brain and then you get into this flow of ideas just start coming to you. Yeah, so I think neuroscientifically, that's what happens when I'm there because I enjoy speaking and I'm there and public speaking, no matter what people say, even if the best speakers of the world, I'm sure they'll tell you it is scary. Uh, There are always going to be those butterflies in your stomach and you're going to be nervous and your heart is going to beat fast, your palms are going to get sweaty. It's just that we learn how to control that a little bit. And uh, yeah, when you actually see it as a fun challenge, you want to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, um, the the people who have figured out public speaking will look at it as a fun challenge. <laughs> people who yeah. yet to it. figure it out, uh, I, and they'd have a very separate uh, space, you know. And uh, for me, I I was somebody who was uh, like first time I was in front of a mic, I think I was shivering. And I think now people have people will shiver when I am on the mic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, so I, I am not yeah. disregarding the fear. I mean, it is one of the highest uh, fears right. people have across the world. Uh, public speaking is not easy, and it takes a lot of practice. It takes
0: a lot of courage. Yeah. Amazing. No, I think so. You, you you have been part of Super Speaker contest, if I get the name right. Uh, so you're uh, among one of those very strongly qualified uh, in in terms of different rounds of uh, public speaking. So how does that work? Uh, in terms of you know what what in terms of your passion in terms of how that happened,
1: so uh, Super Speaker is a journey which uh, Success Gyan conducts. So it's an annual, it's kind of a reality show to find the best motivational speakers of the country. So it's different rounds of filtering. They give you uh, different tasks and challenges to perform, and you you know uh, speak, record videos, upload, uh, different kind of things happen. Uh, yes, I was actually very excited when I made it through some of the filtering rounds and I went into the highest, I think I last round in season three, I was in the super 500 of the country. So I think that itself was a big achievement for me. I did not take it beyond that, but it's okay. I think the learning experience was what mattered. There is a lot I, I still need to improve on and I totally understand that. And I think that's something that I would love to work on and I, I am continuously working on as well. But uh, Super Speaker happened because of Instagram. Uh, somebody I was following very casually in the season one, he actually got infiltrated into, you know, these rounds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that's when I saw him like, oh, best motivational speaker of the country. I'm like, oh that's fascinating. Like, how does that work? And I actually pinged him asking about it. And then he said, oh, this is super speaker and stuff like that. So the next round, when it happened, I actually applied. And uh, it's funny that I actually applied literally uh, two minutes before the deadline. Because I was so unsure, I'm like, am I good enough to, you know, I know I can speak, but am I good enough to participate in contests and especially contests that are going to determine the best motivational speaker of the country. So I thought that was a huge thing and I hesitated so much to record it, but yeah, literally the last two minutes I submitted my application.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, any any place where we are questioning ourselves, somewhere uh, beyond that is actually the place we actually have growth so uh, am i good enough is usually uh, a lot of uh, i think everybody goes through that that phase uh, and only after uh, so my my mantra is you if you, you you try you find out that you're not good enough <laughs> that, that's <laughs> always um, uh, you know good for you to progress so you know that you're not there then you know okay how much you, are, you have to move Do you really want to see that happen uh, is that really your place of work or is it just a hobby versus a passion versus a work? Uh, but if you pass and you pass better than, you know, like pass with all the rainbow colors, flying colors, whatever, then, you know, you, the world cannot be stopped. Uh, you are an unstoppable force. So a choice between totally. finding out and uh, finding out you're not good enough versus finding out you're way better than good enough already
1: absolutely and I think something you said which is very powerful is actually lets you know what your motivation really is Mm -hmm. that's That's so true true. because we tend to start things do things because somebody else told us or because something happened or you know somebody pushed us into this Mm -hmm. but if you're not in it because you want to be in it you will not succeed Mm -hmm. no matter what happens
0: Yeah. I think uh, you know there are there are some parallel stories around that in terms of my passion towards writing came very early then I got into the engineering works and engineering. I think I I went through engineering, not bad. I had, I had good marks. I knew the concept, but somewhere my heart was not inside that uh, place. I loved solving challenges. After solving challenges, I'm like, if you had, if you asked me ask me to write an exam and grudging write it, get decent marks. But I don't think my space was there. It took me around eight years to transition out and then get into coaching. And that segue is perfect for what made you transition out of say, your career into uh, coaching, into all that you do now.
1: Absolutely, that's in, that's exactly a parallel, uh, same thing here as well. Engineering happened, you know, job happened, all of that happened. And then yeah, I think it took me ten years to you know make that transition. But yes, the segue for me was motherhood. Uh, that was where it was like a question mark, and Cheryl Sandberg's words from Lean In book. Would keep echoing saying, "Uh, if you have to leave a kid and go to a work, the work better better be worth it." You know, mm-hmm. so that entire quote or the lines hit me the moment I had to actually leave my month's baby in a daycare and go to work. And then I was really questioning myself, saying, "Is it worth it? Is this job really what I want to do?" And when the answer was a resounding no, that's when I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm quitting." It wasn't an easy decision of course for somebody like me who has been associated with work and so you know this is how we most of us are right Sunil? so when we say okay tell me about yourself the first thing we talk about is our work
0: <laughs> where am i working
1: where yeah. am i working it's either your job title or your company or you know or what you do but it's always about work so that's how much we all are you know tied up to it but we don't see how much it impacts us
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And easy average, you spend, you spend 60% of your adult work at, at office. Yeah. Absolutely. And,
1: and
0: more and, than that. Uh, uh, general average, I think 60 is a bare minimum. I think your lower threshold <laughs> is 60. <laughs> uh, so if you're CEO, CFO, CTOs, then I think you yeah, have four hours, five hours sleeps. And then, you know, uh, then, then the headlines will be seen that somebody is not well because they pushed their bodies to such a large extent uh, and and also you know like kudos to you know you taking that decision saying what's worth it uh, and your office uh, work be better be worth it i think that that's something that i think everybody should look at irrespective of possibly uh, parenthood or uh, anything else um, uh, because we've we've been programmed to look at uh, say something for the body and uh, the soul and something for the heart, something for the mind. So there's so much of, you know, like uh, siloing that uh, there's we don't even look at one thing that actually solves whatever is it's good for the stomach, good for the heart, good for the body, good for the hand and good for the body. So we don't look at something like that. And once something like that happens, the entire entirety of your body, entirety of everything is at synergy. And that's a different feeling. I I hope, you know, you have uh, similar experiences. If not, then also I'd like to hear.
1: No, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I know you have been in this transition too. And you have also made that decision to, you know, switch careers and move. And it's not easy, is it? It's a lot of, you know, uh, resistance, not just from ourselves internally, but also from people around saying, are you sure you want to do that? There's a lot of judgments and questions that pop up by other people. But most of that happens internally. More than what other people say, it's about what you say to yourself when you make such decisions. That's what matters. And for me, throughout, and I I have found that, you know, moving from a fixed job, like, you know, a steady job into something like solopreneurship or entrepreneurship, the transition is hardest because suddenly you are like, Oh, there's no boss in my head who is going to, you know, come and uh, say, okay, <laughs> there's a deadline to go look at your deadlines. You do your work. You are accountable for what you say. It's all you. So yeah. it, I think this journey of entrepreneurship, I'm not saying it's easy or everybody should do it. I think everybody should definitely not do it. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I, even till today, I have that feeling, you know, I'm much better off doing a job because it's, it's honestly easier, even if it's a hard job uh, than uh, trying to run a business or something of that sort, but it's an entirely different experience, and I feel we should not even compare
0: it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think because everything is we are accountable for ourselves. There's no ten o'clock stand up meeting. Exactly. They have to get to, uh, and sometimes that becomes a per, an entirety of the problem itself. It's it's a new problem because uh, your yeah, phone like like all of us most of it. Uh, most of the work happens on the phone. Happens on the laptop. Netflix, whatever, you know, the entirety mm-hmm. of the uh, time guzzlers are uh, with us, uh, Insta, Facebook, whatever. And mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, blink and it's, it's already two o'clock. Uh, <laughs> that would have <laughs> that not happened, happened in that office. <laughs> right. so that's, and that's why it's
1: so Everything is different. So I think it's a test of who you really are, you know, test of your uh, discipline, your thoughts, your beliefs. And it's a very hard test.
0: Yeah, and and if you enjoy that test, I think it it becomes easy. Uh, that that's mm-hmm. the entirety of it. Uh, and you know, like as much as there is glamour, I don't think there's glamour. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. The
1: entire thing, you know, follow
0: your passion. You
1: with, follow your passion. I think it's very overrated. <laughs> yeah.
0: And and the thing is, maybe you know, it it's not. We don't tell our stories because I think that that's the that's the space. So we not we don't tell our stories on when nothing's working. We don't tell our stories and you know how we had to pivot. we had to prioritize, we had to you know let go of certain aspects for a larger purpose, a smaller gain. Uh, so that is uh, you know something. And if I had to maybe you know ask this question, so what would Peggy do on days when things are down when the chips are down? Okay, so the chips are down
1: then Peggy is usually sitting with chocolate on the couch, binge watching Netflix, that's usually what happens. (laughs) But I've come to understand that that is okay. Mm. Because we need those downtimes, we need that, the feeling of, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do, or, you know, and even more the feeling of, I don't have money right now. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, talking about touching on money, I think it's a huge aspect between a work and entrepreneurship. I think that's the biggest hit that happens. Hit, yeah. And uh, yeah, in those days, it just happens. In those days, you get all these thoughts of, oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And you know, I go through that spiral every single time. And then at one point, it's just about, okay, fine, let the spiral happen. And you can't go any further down, right? So yeah. that's when you will bounce back up.
0: Uh, you
1: it's just about that
0: space, I so guess. Absolutely, you acknowledge the whatever is happening, and then you let go of that. Somewhere we are like, oh, this is this is happening to us, uh, and uh, I think we're blessed in uh, at least both of us in terms of knowing that we're coaches. Uh, so sometimes the coaching mindset works works with us, mm-hmm. and then we're able to move uh, forward and yeah i think
1: Ask yourself
0: you, the coaching questions absolutely <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, coaching about that. <laughs> also get us get us into it so what makes it important for you to sit down today <laughs> and mull over this uh, entire aspect so yeah and also maybe you know i've asked you about what happens on dark days. Uh, how's how's the uh, you know the feeling when you're really excited about work are excited about the impact that you're able to create through coaching
1: Oh, so I think those great days happen when I hear from a client or uh, somebody I have trained or something they come back with a testimonial or a feedback about oh this is what happened after your training I think that high that you get after that that is phenomenal. I once ha- had given a speech. Uh, it was just it was about productivity. It were very simple topics. Nothing out of the world in my in my universe. But uh, one of the audience members and I had an opportunity to you know, go back a year later uh, for another training with the same people and I was in a one-on-one coaching setting with one of the participants and uh, she actually told me that you know what one year ago I attended your session and uh, this stuck with me and I was I did this this in my house and I'm it was it's amazing how much has changed in my I'm like wow somebody remembered something that you said one year ago And that gives me motivation to keep going. I'm like, okay, that's the kind of impact we can actually create.
0: And it feels amazing. Feels amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, like through this podcast, whoever is listening. So in case you have had somebody inspire you, you know, with, with something that they've shared, something that they've done, something that they've enabled you with. Uh, I think, you know, today's 29th SEP that we're recording it. So once in four years, so you can always, <laughs> uh, you know, let them know that they've actually done something that uh, has made a difference to you. Because sometimes uh, that's something that can amplify and catapult their presence to more and more people. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that would be uh, a good place for us to, you know, like look at this podcast. We've gone close to uh, 35 plus minutes, uh, so, and, and, and for you, I think for somebody who's a public speaker, 35 is is uh, is almost the beginning. So we've not even started on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is there a question you wanted me to ask uh, you that you wanted to have uh, to share?
1: Uh, not a question, but I would just want to follow up on the statement that you just said. Uh, it's so important for us to acknowledge our wins and be grateful for the people who have played a role in it. And I think I am somebody who has no had not been doing that. And if I win, I would be like, yeah, okay, fine, you know, it's okay. Uh, that's it. And oh, I just got lucky, or we tell ourselves these hundred things that we actually don't own up to our accomplishments. Uh, that's somebody who I was. I would do that a lot. But then I st- actually I started realizing that if every win, no matter how small or big it is, there are a lot of people around you who have had something to do with it, and we need to reach out to them go back to them saying, hey, you inspired me. Hey, thank you for just pushing me or thank you for saying the right thing at the right time or whatever it is, you know. And I think it makes us more human. It makes us more connected. And I just wish more people did that.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, just just so that uh, uh, I let you know there's something like that that I'm planning, uh, hopefully soon, uh, beginning of March, uh, that enables people to say thank you and acknowledge uh, transformations that has happened because of uh, whatever whatever acts of kindness uh, i'm planning something like that uh, hopefully it gets uh amplified and gets big uh not for my own purposes but 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 for making the world a kinder of place amazing another of pungi
1: uh, dasa's sessions and i'm looking forward to that
0: <laughs> yes 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 thanks Peggy. thanks for your time today and uh you know uh I'll be always happy to do another podcast uh, whenever you write another book, whenever you write, uh, whenever you have more stories to share. I think this this platform uh, with you uh, would be absolutely open, and i would be happy to host uh, you again uh, and again. It's
1: my pleasure entirely, and our conversations, no matter where, I think have always been enriching and fun. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, time went close. Last conversation I think went for two hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. We were just wanted to meet for a coffee and yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. became dinner
0: after. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic then. So thank you. See you then. Take care. All thank right.
1: you,